the conditions are there in a form of deflationary event that you can see gold is going to rise. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics. Hope your day is off to a great start. And thanks for joining us here today on the show where we have a video from Nate Fisher as he takes a look at what we might be expecting in the gold market and with the gold price if we begin to go through a deflationary period. Obviously, over the past couple of years, we've had an inflationary period from the Federal Reserve and the monetary policy, which has resulted in the higher prices that everyone is facing right now. And with the Fed raising interest rates over the past year and the impacts of that really beginning to be felt in the market, certainly in the banking sector earlier this year. Nate takes a look at what we might expect on the gold side should we enter a more overt deflationary period. So I think you're going to enjoy the presentation he put together. And with that said, I'm going to pass it over to Nate. Hi, Nate Fisher here for renaissancemen.org, uh, doing another video for Arcadia Economics. I, I do some of these PowerPoint presentations for for uh, Chris. Uh, they normally take me a couple hours to put together more educational type of stuff. In this uh, video, I wanted to do a video of my article. I, I write these god-awful long articles. They take me days to do, uh, 20 minutes here, an hour there. Uh, so what I wanted to do was I wanted to put this uh, together um, and just kind of go over my article, some of the high-level stuff with it. So what has come about recently is I feel like there's a deflationary event going to happen next week, next month. I don't know. It, I feel like it's inevitable. Okay, And then I see others on Twitter saying, hey, we're going to have a melt up. And I wanted to point out this in this article here in the video that I think whether it goes – whether the markets go up or down, I don't think it really matters right now. I think gold's going to be fantastic in any outcome ahead. So uh, I hope you like my my Charlie Kirk um, meme here uh, that changed my mind. I have silver to the moon I created. So feel free to reuse that anytime you want. So I'm going to start off here with interest rates because this is kind of setting up everything that's happening today. Um, why I think there's a deflation ahead and the like. But you could see from like the 1950s up until 1980 or so, there was a trend where interest rates were going up. Now, they, nothing goes up in a straight line. Nothing comes down in a straight line. You can see this kind of sawtooth pattern where they tighten, things break, they bring uh, interest rates back down, and then things get too hot again. And you can see how this, this culminated in a near 20% Fed funds rate, 1980-ish. Uh, so with that, We've been through a period for the last 40 some years or so where Fed funds rates, interest rates have gone down. It's been a form of deflation in a sense where jobs were shipped out across the United States uh, over over to Southeast Asia and the like, um, India. Many of these jobs have just left this country overall. But what's happened is we've been able to get products a lot cheaper because of it. So this has been somewhat deflationary. Um, I know there's different schools of inflation, deflation, all that and the like, but when you can reduce your costs, um, overall, this is kind of the trend you're seeing. But in the meantime, what's then uh, a result of this with lower interest rates is it blows up the asset bubbles. Everything starts to become more expensive because if you have a lot more money available that's cheaper to borrow, all of this money then starts competing against scarce resources. 
And while there's only so many houses, there's only so many stocks, there's only so many things that are available, more and more of this money that's created bids things up. And then what happens is we get to some point in time where things are running really, really hot and they have to start raising interest rates to kind of slow down that rate of inflation. Well, what you're looking at right here now is a 40-year trend that looks like it's over. And could this be another 20, 25 years of interest rate rises? I don't know. Nobody really knows at this point. But you can see that this is the, one of the steepest, if not the steepest, rise in history with how quickly it went from damn near zero to 5% 5, 5 or so. So with that, these interest rates, when you when you raise or lower them, they have a, a form of lag effect of perhaps 12 to 15 months, maybe even 18 months. Um, so a lot of the effects we're seeing today are potentially as a result of us raising rates a year ago to 1%, 2%. So how is that, um, how has that been impacting us today? You can see bankruptcies are way up. We're not even halfway through 2023. You can see uh, more headlines on bankruptcies. Keep looking. I mean, they're not leading the news in Fox or CNN, but if you dig a little bit, you can see that the number of bankruptcies are, are way up. And you can see that the rate we are through just only April is um, very much on par with what we were at with 2010, right after the global financial crisis. And you can see that even... Uh, the truckers are being affected now. Um, you can see uh, Lovo uh, wrote here about, uh, he posted about how the uh, shipping giant uh, Maersk uh, is having problems with uh, profits and, and shipping because global shipping has more or less slowed down. So what this ultimately means is you're going to start to run into problems with jobs. And less people that are working means less tax receipts. It also means less economic activity, which means lower GDP, which essentially means recession. So with this, you can see uh, uh, our host here, Chris, had, had posted about how our our, our labor um, our labor numbers that are reported every single month since January have been download, downwardly revised after the fact. So what happens is they post this hey, we beat by 5,000, 10,000 jobs, and there's all these high-frequency trading um, bots that read these articles, they scrape the headlines, and they see beats, and everything looks like it's bullish, and then they go and they buy Apple, and they buy all these things, and it's it's inflating all of these, these stocks up. And then what's happening is, is that when they do these downward revisions, perhaps it's down in the, the 25th paragraph or the like, it starts talking about, oh, well, we've downwardly revised last month like 45,000 jobs. Well, that would have been a huge miss. And with that, they have very uh, astutely been able to navigate their soft landing, so to speak, trying to use forms of rhetoric, which many of you uh, have heard the term gaslighting. I, I mean, these things... When you start to see jobs beat, jobs beat, jobs beat, it starts to become fact that we have a strong economy. Well, it's not necessarily the fact. So let's take a look at, you know, labor participation rates, unemployment rate, and the like. So you can see the, the labor participation rate had a peak around 2001, and it dipped significantly down with the uh, the COVID crisis in 2020. Now, 
it went from 67% down to about 60%, and it's back up to about 62, 63% now. So this labor participation rate means, I guess, 4% or so, 5% of working Americans that are eligible just are no longer working and, and adding into the workforce. They're not getting taxed uh, on, on, on income. So anyway, so there's less people working than could. Um, fun story here, when I was unemployed in uh, on and right after the global finance, uh, right after the uh, dot com bust, two thousand one ish, I was unemployed for better part of fifteen months. And what happens is, I didn't know this then, but it's something you only know when you go through it. That after twelve months, you drop off of unemployment. They assume that you just don't want to work anymore. That's how they they calculate these metrics, despite the fact that you could have people that are out of work for a very long period of time still applying to work. The metrics just basically say, well, you're no longer part of the workforce. So they they discount that from unemployment. So do we have a 3.5% unemployment? Perhaps, but it also could be slightly stunted because um, that 3.5%, how many of those people maybe made a boatload of money in crypto a couple years ago, got out of the workforce, and now they're trying to get back in and they can't they can't find work because, well, I mean, they're also not counted as unemployed. They voluntarily left the workforce. So it's not necessarily reflective of uh, where we are today, but those low unemployment numbers make everything look good. So and you can see the unemployment rate hit 10% uh, pretty much in early 1980s uh, around the global financial crisis, 2008-2009. And then you can see the spike uh, during COVID. Okay, so right now you can see this downward trend. When you don't have a recession, everybody has high high uh, high employment numbers. Um, all this money is available. All this expansion is happening. You're having a hard time finding employees. But what happens when you slam the brakes on with expansion? And all of a sudden your costs are going through the roof. Now, some of this can also be explained by the Fed. Uh, how, how are we continuing to have these low unemployment rates? Well, during COVID, there was like six trillion or so thrown into the economy. The Fed bought stuff, uh, hand over fist. You had these, the, the, you have, uh, all kinds of mechanisms, the PPP. Then there's this stuff with the reverse repo, which I don't, I can't even get into the plumbing of that over my head. But there's a lot of things, a lot of mechanisms there that are acting as sponges. To absorb that six trillion or so, and it makes it look like there's low unemployment, and it could be from right now. Now let's take a look at um, the Dow over the last uh, 25 years or so, 30 years. What happens when the rates pause and and then reverse? Okay, so most people right now are saying, "Hey, well, look, I, I'm playing this this pivot trade. I'm going to front run. I want to get into Apple because Apple's going to explode when they start to reverse the rates." Well, if you take a look at this, the reason they do the pause to begin with is because they broke something in the economy. So if we're not sufficiently broken, they're not going to reverse the rates. So you can see here the last um, few times that they've actually raised the rates up and then reversed them. I mean, you could see they they raised rates 3% to 6.65%, but that took seven years to get there. So it was a slower uh, rise in rates over the over a period of time. And then when it finally broke some things, 
the stock market went down 34%, but it took three years to do so. Likewise, they brought the rates up again. Uh, this was a big one in the 2008-ish time. So it went from 1% to 5.25% in two years. And with that, it caused a significant issue when all those rates, and look at that lag effect. Those rates come up. It took a good year to cook through the system, and then it broke things, and then all of a sudden, wait a second, now we got to start reducing rates. So you can see um, the last time this happened, it went from 0 to 2.5%. It took four years. Now, people see this drop here, and they say, well, that was COVID. Well, what most people don't know, like I was in the doom trade December, January, February of 2021, uh, February, sorry, of uh, 2020, uh, before COVID was kind of the match that lit this. Now, obviously, there was a lot of doom with everything shutting down, but a lot of this was in the works prior to this. So right now, look at this rate raise. We went from zero to 5% in 16 months. And counting, it could be another quarter point, half point ahead, who knows. But the point is, look how sharp those rates went up, the time it took to cook, and then how long it took to go up at that steep climb, then directly seemed to impact how hard it hit the stock market. So one can guess or infer that with this steep rate increase, that it's it has a lag effect, and right now we're just seeing the effects from a year ago. So they could, you see these flat flat bars here? It looks like they could pause for three, four, five, six months as the markets start to decline. And then they, when the rates start finally dropping, it's because they broke things. So the question now is, uh, are they just going to pause right now and start bringing rates down? Are things sufficiently broken? And and when you start seeing 3.5% unemployment, things are not broken when you have that. So um, you can see here's another chart where you can see the interest rate rises. This is pretty much the fastest in history. Uh, that's not good. <laughs> um, and then you see the, the bank failures by year. You can see our bank failures by money, uh, the total assets. It looks like... Um, I, I'd see more recent items, and this is from um, Tabby Costa. You could see more recent numbers I saw had something to do with like the, the, the bank failures now were more than a bunch of the global financial crises combined. So I don't know what the most recent numbers are, but uh, the point here is that this is completely flying under the radar, and, and, and maybe a year, two years, three years from now, they'll look back on this and be like, wow, this is the global financial crisis too. But no one wants to mention this stuff in mainstream media. So it's up to a bunch of us to be able to look through articles, get the data, and kind of report on where we are. So it doesn't necessarily mean we're wrong, uh, we're right, and Fox and uh, CNN are wrong. It's just that we're looking at kind of real-time data as to what's going on, and they may report on things after they've already happened. So... Um, also, dealing with the, the reverse repo operations, again, I don't want to get into the plumbing of this because it's way above my head, but you can see about $800 billion of this disappeared over the last, uh, I don't know, uh, year or so. 
Um, most of it has been uh, more recently since April. And the thought was that some of this was coming out of the reverse repo and buying treasuries up. So I know there were some issues recently with the, uh, the debt, debt ceiling and there was some brinksmanship there. Um, anyway, uh, moving ahead. Um, you can also see uh, energy prices have decreased and kind of held steady mostly because we've been draining the strategic petroleum reserve by about half. Now the question is, what would inflation be like had we not done this? Would inflation have continued up? Did the Biden administration defeat inflation be by doing this? Now the question is, what's it going to cost to refill it? And based on the environmental policies of the current administration, do they even feel a compulsion to uh, refill it? They've had opportunities at $60 to start, you know, buying again, but now nah, market conditions aren't good enough. So essentially what they did was they took stuff that we should use for war times and, and pumped this into the economy to reduce costs to the American consumer, which I can't really disagree with. But, but, was it a temporary band-aid, which now, obviously, there's been uh, global conflict. And where are we going to, how are we going to refill this strategic petroleum reserve? So did we shoot ourselves in the foot for a couple months of, of lower inflation numbers? I don't know. In the meantime, remember I mentioned about the 40-year uh, thing about uh, interest rates going down. Everybody now sees stunks going up. And uh, what I don't think a lot of people realize is since the, the, the global financial crisis, you can clearly see Dow went up at a peak something like 5x. I think the NASDAQ went up 16x from the, from the trough to peak. Those are not normal numbers, people. As much fun as it is to see your 401k go up, you have to ask yourself how it went up why it went up, and what kind of correction could we see on the other side of that? Well, we can also take a look at what the federal debt is. And now you have to wonder, is there a correlation between the amount of money that we're borrowing and how much of that money then ends up winding up in the stock market? So now the question is, are we just going to continue this federal debt up to 50, 80, 100 trillion? Are we going to have one, two, three, five trillion dollar deficits yearly? How can that happen if people are not buying the debt? Is the Fed just going to keep buying it? Uh, they said no. So what is going to happen to the stock market if we can't borrow as much anymore? I presume asset prices are going to start to come down. People are going to rotate into other things that have yield. So anyway, um, you can see here uh, the GDP as a, uh, as a percent of the public debt. Um, we had seen that, uh, I believe, where is it at? It's somewhere around here. It was like 51 of 52 um, countries that have gone over, uh, I believe it was 130 as a uh, debt to GDP um, have have defaulted. 
Now, people think a default is just not paying. Well, we're the reserve currency. We can just print it, right? Uh, one of those pictures of, I think it's Neil Cash Carey saying that we have infinite, infinite amount of money and we can just use a, a computer to create money. Well, the problem, again, is that um, the other way of defaulting is through inflation. And part of my article I wrote above that, that I, I, I talked about, um, the pin the popsy everything bubble. Uh, my my um, belief with that two years ago when I wrote the article was that the ultimate uh, the ultimate end game is going to be with high interest rates because I mean you think about it we were having eight nine ten percent inflation and we had three percent treasuries who wants to give their money to lose that kind of spending power time and time and time again so the debt to GDP matters here. In a sense, because if you can't juke the GDP with more federal spending, that that the GDP starts going vertical upwards. So they need to somehow keep juking the GDP. You can only do that really by deficit spending right now. And that more money in all these programs. You think about, you know, when you're talking about uh, student loan debt forgiveness, all you're doing in that respect, really is trying to juke the economy by having people, instead of spending three or $400 on their student loan payment to pay back a debt, they want to take that three or $400 and put it in the stock market. Well, that would then push stock market stuff higher, which is good for politics. However, what that's doing is it's continuing to not pay down any kind of debt. And um, with the MMT form of what's going on today, it appears that with Yellen talking in the congressional testimony, I think it was congressional testimony a couple months ago, she sees no problems with the $50 trillion debt. That's a problem because other countries right now are saying, well, if U.S. doesn't care about debt, why are we buying it? Because all the dollars we're giving to them, we're, we're losing our purchasing power. So anyway, um, I believe that there's a time of deflation coming. And uh, a lot of it I talked about above with uh, the unemployment potentially is about to go higher. Um, all these zombie companies you have um, where, where you just have this problem where these companies are for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, <laughs> they have to expand or die. They have to keep growing. And if you're, you don't have growth, and people are going to not invest in you. And then the CEO gets fired. So these companies have to expand. They have to keep getting bigger. They have to merge. They have to acquire. So we're at a point in time right now where all of this debt that all these companies have taken on, they are so used to just when this debt matures, they just take the 5% note and they roll it over to a 4% note. And they just keep doing that time and time again. Now what they're running into is a wall where all this debt, now potentially is a double rate than what they were paying. Now all of a sudden companies that were having thin margins and decreasing um, uh, net income, all these companies now are looking at significantly higher interest debt costs. Uh, and with that, many of these companies can go insolvent, which is why you're going to start to see a lot of these bankruptcies. You're going to start to see a lot of layoffs. And heaven forbid, you're going to start to see a stop of expansion and perhaps even a lot of contraction and consolidation. Think about all this commercial property 
problems you're seeing right now. All these people right now, you know, they want to do work from home. Well, I just saw Michael Bloomberg come out and said, all these people need to get back to work. You can't have all these empty buildings. Well, where where is his money at? His money is probably highly tied to commercial real estate. The truth of the matter is we got Zoom, we got Microsoft Teams, we have all of these things where we can collaborate. And you know what? With 3.5% unemployment, workers have all the power. And right now they're leaving companies to go to companies to give them a better telework uh, situation, regardless of money. And business right now is very slow to react to that. There's companies that are good to react to that are, are going to fare better, but you're going to have a lot of commercial real estate that is empty. And I wrote about this three years ago um, with COVID. I was like, how on God's earth are we going to have these office spaces, you know, filled? So this is a side note here, but I can see the commercial real estate bomb is going further, further, further away and because workers, they don't have to um, come to the office today. Now, let's just say we hit six, seven, eight percent unemployment. Yeah, workers are going to have to come back to work, but we can't get there until we blow things up. And that's the problem. Uh, we're, we're in a, a chicken or egg situation here. I know people want to uh, get people back into work, but as long as people have options, they don't, they, they don't have to listen to you. So you can, you can offer workers as much as they want, but Anyway, that's one of the problems we're facing today as well. But then if you're a worker, you have to look at yourself like, hey, look, you know, your job's in New York City. You now move to Davenport, Iowa, and you say you can do your job remotely. Great. Well, what, what's from stopping them to then outsource your job to India? That's the next step to this. So there's a lot of nuance here with unemployment and, and costs and all this stuff that are coming up. Um, so anyway, I want to talk here now. If there is a deflationary event, um, let's, let's go, let's go further down. I, I talked about this chart above how the stock market, um, gets hit when, when the interest rates start, start dropping. But let's look at what happens when, when, uh, the Fed fund rates start, start dropping with gold. So now we're assuming the reverse, uh, kind of the same, but the reverse, like, Interest rates have risen, they've risen, they've risen, and now problems happen. So all these money, all this money comes out of a high yield or high, high, um, return stocks that they no longer have profits and it starts moving to safety, it starts moving to bonds, treasuries, notes. It also starts moving to gold. Now gold is much smaller than the, than the bonds market, but you can clearly see here that the last few times when when rates have gone down, gold is shot up. So this is potentially, I believe today, what gold is sniffing. I think we're like 1900 some today with gold. And my problem here is gold has stayed much higher, I believe, because of the banking crisis. But if it wasn't for the banks starting to, to have all kinds of problems, I think gold would right now probably be about 1700. Um, but is this the path now to $2,500, $3,000 gold? And it very well likely could be. If you look at this, you can see uh, the last three or so times that they've, they've, they've raised rates, they paused, raised rates, paused. You can see gold has moved up. And I have the numbers here. that They're, they're kind of small. But you can see the one time gold went up like 
Another time, 400%. In the most recent time, recently, it went up 86%. So could we see 100% this time around? That would take us to what? $4,000 gold? Could. Not likely. But, um, yeah, here are the numbers. The 34 34% 89, 847, 405, 86%. So it doesn't necessarily mean gold's going to go 800% on this move up. But the point is that gold should have a strong move the second they pause. Now, could this happen in September FOMC in like a month? Absolutely. They could say, hey, we did enough. We're going to pause now for three, four, five months. But if you take a look at these pauses, whenever the pause happens, it anticipates the rates going down. But the pause only happens because they broke the economy. So all these people that are trying to front run Apple and all these, uh, you know, 300 P PE ratio stocks, those stocks most likely are going to get seriously corrected. So my, my take here is in a deflation, um, we're going to see uh, a significant move up with gold. And, and I'm not going to beat this, this horse to death because Everyone's covered this, but this also happened in 2011. And when that happened last, gold basically went from, what was it, 1600 to 1900 in a month. So could we have a 30, 60-day uh, grenade pin being pulled here where gold makes a $300 move in the next month or two? Maybe. I don't know. But the conditions are there in a form of deflationary event that you can see gold is going to rise. Now, every time I'm using gold here, um, silver is going to act a little bit differently because it also is an industrial metal, but uh, <laughs> it's also going to catch up very quickly to gold as being uh, gold spastic little brothers. So, um, also let's take a look at how what happened with Dow Jones, uh, 1926 to 1943. So right now you can see the peak here, and then 1920. Everyone knows about the crash in 1929. It goes down. Well, what a lot of people don't know is that there was a nice little recovery going on. And then the smackdown happened late 1930 into 1932. Look at that move down. But that was only after there was a move back up. Likewise, a recovery happened for like five years, and then bam, another another strong move down. So you can see right now, I mean, look at this move from 2009. Look at this. Look at the roaring 20s. Look at what we've done over the last 14 years. So could this move up right now? Could this move up? Could 2020, uh, could, wait, 2021, the peak here, could this move down have been the 1929 in a sense, not as quickly as down, but a move down with the recovery up, could this now be the 1930, 1931, where we get a strong correction down? Well, with interest rates as high as they are, I can't see how the... I just can't see how the markets continue to rise up with it. doesn't mean it won't happen. So let's look about times of inflation. Okay, so maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this $6 trillion or so that was on the sidelines still hasn't worked its way out. Maybe, maybe. Uh, maybe there's a lot of cash on the sidelines. And they're just, now you think they're dip buying. What if all this cash on the sidelines understands the 1930 to 1932 event could be taking place. Why would they get by for a 10% discount when they can buy everything that you have for 90% discount? 
So you're thinking about it wrong here. You're thinking that they're going to dip by here. All this big money, all these guys that are billions of cash, you think they're buying your bags for 5 or 10% down. And that's where I think the, 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 the flaw here is, okay? Now, like I said, you know, I do also believe that there is inflation um, at play here, where you, whether it's energy, whether it's the deglobalization, whether it's the de-dollarization. You know, you have these avocados that you buy with dollars. Now, all of a sudden, um, there's a form of de-dollarization. There's a form, you know, where where the U.S. dollar goes down in value to other currencies. And now, all of a sudden, your avocados cost twice as much U.S. dollars. It, the value of the product didn't go up. The, the value of the U.S. dollars went down. So that is where the deflation, um, which turns into inflation, because now all of a sudden your costs start getting higher. Uh, when your costs start getting higher, you have to lay off more, blah, blah, blah. So um, in times of inflation, um, one of the, the big things here I want to talk about, which I think every one of you that even got here understands this, it was the, uh, the Weimar hyperinflation, okay? Now I learned. I first learned about this with Maloney's videos a couple years ago. I never learned about this in school. I, I went through four years of an MBA. I never heard about this. They don't talk about gold. They don't talk about any of that stuff. They don't talk about silver. They don't talk about asset classes like this. So, um, and maybe it's just my programs I went through. But in times of inflation, yes, you're going to see Apple go up. Yes, you're going to see houses go up. You're going to see everything go up. That's going to happen. But the question then um, you can ask yourself is how do we get there? Now, can we have a deflationary event first to go to inflation? I, I'm leaning towards that. I just see a lot of problems with this, this, this interest rate. And for the next six to 12 months, I can see this working through the system and further creating a lot more damage before they start to reduce the rates. Now, when they start to reduce the rates, and they potentially uh, start um, doing federal programs to restructure corporate debt. Instead of going from 3% to 6% corporate debt, you go from 3% to 3.5% using some sort of QE16, whatever it is. Um, everything at some point, I believe, according with Maloney, I, I, I concur that all of this stuff in some way, shape or form is going to have to get bailed out by U.S. dollars whether it's the pension funds, um, whether it's the housing market, uh, everything you're thinking about. What happens when our foreign adversaries just suddenly one day decide, hey, we have a new currency. I don't care if we default on your debt. Go ahead. I don't care. We now have trade partners. We're going to default on your debt. Oh, by the way, the debt that we do have of yours that we bought, we're just going to sell it off. I don't care. Pennies on the dollars don't care. We want to be out of your business. Those types of threats are potential and they're real. I mean, maybe they're not likely tomorrow, but this is this is this is a form of high-end global chess that none of us are really read in on it. But we have to at least understand the risks here. So we have deflation risks and we have high inflation risks. Now Germany's not the only one. You had more recently you had Venezuela, you got Zimbabwe, you got problems with Lebanon, you got problems with who is it Argentina. You got all kinds of problems right now with high inflation. Even Ghana was one of them with high. Turkey is hot. All these countries with super high inflation, they have to figure out a way out of this. And part of this may be also de-dollarization. But 
what then happens potentially is all these dollars that are out and about start coming back to us. And with that, you're going to see, yes, you're going to see Apple going up potentially. Yes, you're going to probably see houses go back up after a correction that we're going through right now. But you're also going to see gold going up. And maybe it's not going to go up like this type of hyperinflation. But how is the U.S. going to get out of their debt problems? And the only way you can see this potentially is with much higher inflation. I'm sorry. It's kind of the only way. Um, unless the U.S. just stops uh, paying their debt. And, and, and with that, um, likewise, if they just stop paying their debt, uh, the Fitch and all these other credit rating services will start to downgrade the U.S. sovereign debt. And then why will Japan buy our debt? They'll want to sell it. They'll want to get out of it. China would want to get out of it. And all these countries would start to get out of our debt. And who's buying it? Who's buying our debt? Is the Fed? Powell basically said no, he's done. So, conclude all this. Um, I believe that we're in a situation where um, I, I think in the shorter term we're going to be dealing with deflation. It doesn't mean we can't have a higher inflation event right now. But, either way, I don't really care. I do gold. Uh, I, I, I personally deal with silver. But um, I also uh, created a video for Arcadia, uh, how to layer your gold and silver investments. So take a look on, on, on Arcadia channel. There should be another uh, video under my, uh, they actually created a nice little section for me. That was nice. Of but here uh, you have um, my, my, my article and video, which talks about different ways you can get involved with silver and gold. And part of this, uh, for instance, you could buy, uh, coins and the like through uh, and bars through people like uh, Andy Sheckman. You can do miners. Uh, you can vault things. There's there's a lot of different ways you can get involved. And part of this is to hedge against the U.S. dollar. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to buy silver tomorrow and it's going to go 100x. It doesn't mean that. It means that what you want to try and do is preserve your purchasing power as much as you can. And with that, uh, good luck, everyone. Stay safe. Uh, be very mindful about your investments and, and take care. Well, thank you, Nate, for today's presentation. Really appreciate how he laid things out there. And hopefully you found that helpful at home to get an idea of what to expect as we go through this next phase of the monetary cycle. So thanks again to Nate. And before we wrap up, just wanted to let you know that if you are in the market for silver, Miles Franklin is running a special this week for one ounce silver Asahi rounds at only $2.50 over spot. You can find out more about that or get any of your questions answered by emailing Arcadia at milesfranklin.com. And again, just hope you're having a great day out there and I'll look forward to seeing you again tomorrow.